Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Geekscape Games podcast. We're doing another special episode this time for Life is Strange Before the Storm. We wanted to make sure to follow up on the Life is Strange special episode that we did back when that original one came out, what, about two years ago now? Twenty fifth. It was like January 2015, so the, the Geekscape Games uh, show itself was pretty much in its infancy back then. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. I mean, it's still in its infancy now based on... <laughs> you know, th- how regular we are and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like I think doesn't horror movie nights have more episodes than we do now. <laughs> they probably they started with more episodes than we have now. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, that familiar voice, of course, is our very own Derek Cranavelt, who naturally is going to be here since he was the biggest proponent of Life is Strange back when the original one came out. Yeah, it was uh, oh, man, I was. Yeah, I, when we when we did our end of the year lists back in 2015, that was my favorite game of 2015. Like, and I don't know that there has been a game since potentially that has resonated with me as much as Life is Strange did. Uh, and and so in any capacity, I'm so happy to be jumping back into this world. And and in the last two years, yeah, it's just been pretty much me asking people if they've played it and telling them that they should play it if they haven't. And Shane hasn't listened yet. But, uh, some people have thing, really? yeah no he's just played the first episode and uh i'm pretty uh, sure it was even what didn't it even go free on playstation plus at one point yeah i think it was free on both xbox and playstation at yeah, one point so. or another yeah i think so too and uh he hasn't listened yet several other people have and they're like thank you so much for recommending it like that game was unreal yeah and, and it just got better and better as it went and it became such like a strong emotional experience and the fact that you kind of were able to make that story your own as the way based off of the way you interacted with the characters. I Total, yeah. Like even though even though the conclusion kind of came to it uh, uh to the same point no matter what you did, like the journey in between was so different between all of us, I remember. Yes, yeah, I remember talking about that episode and there was like just totally different paths that some of us took and and of course I, I one one aspect that I really loved about the first game that I'm sure we'll talk about here it was that time control aspect that you know if you do just dis- if you do determine that a decision that you made was not what you wanted to go through with like you had so many opportunities to reverse that or to choose something else or to even make a choice and see how someone would re- would react to it before um you know before before committing to something and that was a really interesting element of the game um that that similar game you know similar choice based games in that vein uh like the stuff from Telltale didn't have anything like that and was all about making the choices in the moment and being stuck with them and this kind of turned that on its head and i think it was really effective in it yeah for sure and then naturally moving on to before the storm it's a prequel if anyone's unfamiliar and just as a warning we are going to go straight into episode one and all of the details that take place within so if you haven't played it yet or you're worried about spoilers we recommend playing through the game first before you listen to the episode but one of the interesting things about this one is since it's a prequel and you're playing as Chloe, like she doesn't have the time travel powers, but she does have her own kind of ability that you're able to use throughout the game. That's not like science fiction, like the time travel was, but it's kind of fits the personality that they established in the original. Yeah, it's not, I didn't like it as much. I, 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 and it was something that when this game got announced and when they announced, okay, you're playing as Chloe this time, it was like, how are they going to make, you know, a Life is Strange prequel that doesn't star Max? How are they going to make that feel like Life is Strange? And I feel like they've been, 
uh, almost aside from this element and and yet and, and you're totally right it is something that makes sense total sense for this character and i do like the mechanic um but i feel like it's not it's not a rep- like it's not a a proper replacement for for the mechanics of the time the time control that that max had in the first game but also it's something that this character just can't do that so it's something that they it would have not been true to the character had they included something like that just because and um yeah it was something like i was pretty excited for this game right away when they announced it and it was but also worried because it was it coming from a new uh, developer that hadn't done a lot before they they had a previous name before and i believe they had several other games um but but this one was developed by deck nine because uh the people over at don't nod were working on their vampire action game that is coming out next year i believe um and some other stuff happened the the voice actress that played chloe in the first game uh could not portray chloe in this game because uh as the voice uh pieces were being recorded that was when the uh, voice acting strike was taking place so she was not able to fulfill that role because of that but she still actually served as a as a camera it was some sort of like like writer or um, assistant to something in regards to the, to the writing of the character itself so I, I definitely feel like did, did you notice did you notice that in the game like did you feel like like how did you feel about Chloe's voice acting no, I thought the voice acting was seamless. I didn't even really notice too big of a difference, which yeah. I didn't even know about the voice actor not portraying her because of the okay. strike. And, I mean, she sounded slightly different here and there, but I just kind of attributed it to the, you know, the actor kind of putting a different spin on her because she's like younger at this point. She's not as settled into her role that she had in the first game. But overall, I thought the new voice actress did an amazing job mm-hmm. picking up where uh, Ashley Birch had left off since not only did I not notice, like I said, but I thought she did bring a lot of emotional weight to a lot of the scenes throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, the voice actress here this time, she was actually the person who did the motion capture for Chloe in the first game. So someone definitely familiar with the character, just a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, had Like overall, I, 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 before we get into like the nitty gritty overall, what did you think of the episode? I thought I felt similar to how I felt with the first episode of the first game, which was that it started off kind of a little bit slow. It's spending most of its time kind of reintroducing you to the characters. But I felt like it really did kick off once Rachel got introduced. And of course, Rachel was a huge character in the first game, but you didn't actually interact with her throughout the whole thing since she was missing. And this one, I kind of went into the game with a feeling of dread because since it's a prequel you know what's going to happen to the characters ahead of time you know how it's all going to end up and now you're learning how chloe and her became such close friends and everything and how their relationship began to blossom so seeing her character come to life for the first time after two almost three years of kind of knowing about her and seeing that play out i thought the way that they portrayed her was just the right amount of like flippancy but the right amount of like charisma to believe that chloe would eventually find what she lost when max left in Mm -hmm. rachel Mm -hmm. and so by the time the episode ended i felt 100 percent intrigued on where it was going to go from there um especially with some of the revelations at the end of the story which i'm sure we'll get into a little bit later Mm -hmm. but i was just really i really felt for rachel and i think a big part of it is because of how you know it all ends up for her and she doesn't ever really get all those things that she said she wanted as far as moving out of the town and kind of doing her own thing. 
which adds a additional weight to everything that's happening within the game that you otherwise wouldn't have felt if you're going into this game blind. Yeah, I, I, I think I totally agree. Like when it first started, I was like, I was into it, but it felt, it, it felt like it moved quite slowly. Like the, I don't know, the, the barn concert thing felt long sort of, uh, but I mean also necessary to, uh, kind of get you back into the mechanics of the game and to, you know, it, it almost felt like, like, cause you saw a, a few or at least a couple of characters that I, I mean, maybe won't have a, a huge part in the rest of the game, but that still obviously existed in Arcadia Bay. And so it was a nice way to see Frank and like the dog and that sort of stuff again. And you can kind of see, you can see that Chloe and, and Frank kind of had already an existing relationship at that point. Cause they talked about, you know, her owing Frank money and stuff like that. Um, so that was, that was, that was neat. But then, yeah, as soon as kind of Rachel was introduced and as soon as that kind of started developing and then it was like emotional punch in the gut after emotional punch in the gut after emotional punch in the gut. And man, it was like, there was a lot of effective emotional moments in this game. And even like, even the subtle things like, like I really, one part that I really enjoyed in the first game was that, I mean, how old are these? Like how old was Max in the first game? Do you remember? Um, I think she was 16. Six, six, 16 or something like that. And so one of the aspects I really liked in the first game was like, you would experience these events that were happening and then you would be able to open up Max's diary where she had written about them and see, you know, and it felt like somebody with somebody younger with a different mindset was experiencing these and, and you were reading their thoughts on it. And it was something I really enjoyed in the first game and they've kind of continued it in this game, except it's like presented as though Chloe is writing to Max, basically these, excuse me, basically these letters that she doesn't intend on actually sending. And it's interesting because at the very, very offset of the episode, you can just tell based on reading that, like how, you know, how much she misses her, this, you know, this person was her best friend forever. And then all of a sudden disappeared. Um, when, when this character is going through the, you know, by far what would be the hardest time in her life. And, and so she's just trying to kind of get back to reality and try to become a real person again. And she's writing to Max as this is happening. And then you almost see that kind of, you see how she's missing her. You, you see that turn into hostility because she feels abandoned at that point. And, and that is something that I, I thought all of that was super well done and super interesting. And almost any time like a little event happened, I'd jump back into that menu because I wanted to read, you know, her thoughts on it or, or what she would have said to Max in that situation. And I thought that was a great element of the game as well. Did you happen to go through the text messages that I thought was the worst part? I did. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the text messages to Max that were just all unresponded to. Yeah, I know. It yeah, sounds like yeah. it looks like my text messages because I'm terrible looks, with that. I was going to say it looks like my text messages. And I felt like <laughs> I was scrolling through that and I was a total like I felt like a total dick. And I was like, what if someone's going through a really hard time and they reached out and I didn't respond? And uh, I felt kind of horrible in that moment for sure. Like, did that change your opinion of Max at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, because you, of course, you don't experience, like, I don't totally remember, but I don't think that you, you never really learn why she left. I don't think, yeah. do you? Like, well, you don't I think really... in the, not in the first game. I think in this one, there was some kind of mention in one of the cutscenes or one of the diary entries that said something okay. along the lines, like her dad got a new job in Seattle okay. or something yeah. like that. But yeah, it was like, it was something where like you see max come back at the first in the first beginning of the first game and you see her you know almost immediately well because of these huge events that happen but almost immediately they're back together again but but seeing 
you know, she she moves and it's almost like a fresh start. Like she basically does abandon Chloe and it's something that, uh, excuse me for a sec. <coughs> it, it's something that like, yeah, I was like, like, fuck, man. Like that was, that is some cold shit, especially when, you know, she's dealing with the death of her father and the, and the fact that her mother's moving on too soon. And she feels totally alone because Max is the only person that she ever really allowed to get close to her. It was that, like just that stuff. And, and, I thought it was really effective how subtle it was. Like that is something you don't look through that. You're totally going to miss it. Right. Um, but it was so like, those were almost some of the most, most hard hitting moments. Like, you know, being a person that, you know, we've all had very tough times and, and being those, you know, whether or not people have reached out to us in those moments where we are reaching out to others, like to not feel, to not feel heard or to not feel something back is like that, that stuff cuts and uh i mean i cut seeing chloe experiencing that as well for sure yeah i feel like this game did a really good job in the little bit of time that it had in just this first episode kind of justifying chloe's perspective from the first game a lot more because i remember playing the first game and it came off to me as chloe was just kind of being selfish and she was mad at max for moving away when it was out of max's control but then now you look at it from chloe's perspective in the prequel and she feels a lot more justified in the se- in how she felt in the first game. And then you kind of look at, with David in the first game, your exposure to him was kind of like, she was lashing out at him because, just because he was her stepdad, and sure, he was more strict, and they had clashing personalities, but she was kind of being unfair to him, is how it came off to me in the first game. But and then, again, in this game, he's like a 100% hard-ass right off the gate, and he's trying to boss her around like he's known her her whole life and has like zero at least is coming off like he has zero sympathy towards her plight after literally just losing her father not too long before this and he's expected to be he's expecting her to accept him like immediately as her father figure and then now it's kind of like yeah like i completely get where she was coming from in the first game Mm -hmm. yeah they did i just it's interesting like it would have been interesting to come at this and have to you know like explain why things were the way they were in the first game. But I feel like the, the team over at tech nine did a fantastic job. It's uh, like, it just felt like it didn't feel, it felt right at home. Like it didn't feel like this was somebody else trying to make X, you know, you know, like when sometimes when games change developers and you're like, Oh, this is a completely different game. Like it did not feel like that at all. Like it felt like they didn't skip a beat. Um, I thought the writing was spot on. I really loved like the the production values. I feel like went up things like the lip syncing and stuff, where which I know a lot of people complain about with the first game, were a lot better in this game. And then there's even like there's amazing optional moments that like you don't talk to some of these side characters, you're missing out. Like the the, the did you get through the Dungeons and Dragons game? Oh yeah, that was probably the highlight of the whole thing. That for was me. fucking amazing. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like, oh, you're gonna choose to play, and it's gonna like you know it's going to be 20 seconds and and you're going to leave or something like that but that that was a long scene and that was really like really played real well played out and really fun yeah and yeah definitely like one of the most like like uh, it was just like a fun moment and and especially like you could see and tell just how much like chloe was enjoying this and it was one of the only moments of kind of peace and happiness i feel like she really felt aside from some of those moments with uh, rachel in the game right and you could kind of tell that she's in a point where she's still kind of in between phases like there's still glimpses of that pirate girl that was always dress playing dress up with max and then the like kind of punk rock girl that we that we already came to know in the first game and i think that's another thing that 
they did a really good job with. Like you said, it's like it was a completely seamless transition between developers and they did an amazing job. They had huge shoes to fill and with what they had to work with, especially by kind of being handcuffed in the sense that they are picking up an established story and they're kind of restrained. Um, They're kind of restrained in terms of what kind of story they can tell since there's so many aspects already established from the previous one. But they've taken everything that they had and they, I thought they knocked it out of the park for the most part. But, um, you know, on top of everything that we've said that was great about it and all the twists and turns that we enjoyed, there's also aspects that we didn't enjoy. And I know you were touching a little bit on how Chloe's mechanic wasn't as compelling as the time travel. So we could start with that one as far as complaints. Yeah, it was. Uh, so the mechanic itself is called back. It's called back talk. And it's it's in in various conversations throughout the episode. Um, for instance, right from the get go, when you're trying to enter, you're trying to enter this secret concert from a based on a band called Firewalk that Chloe really really likes, uh, who's playing this like secret show at this CD like barn basically, and there's like an intimidating guard at the door who won't let you in because you're a kid, uh, and so you like this is the first instance where you get to play this back talk mini game basically where you have to try. There's you'll have a few different options based on dialogue, and you have to kind of choose it based on either the direct words or like like synonymous words based on what the person is saying and it i thought it was okay but it felt like it it felt clunky at times um and it was something i remember them t- like when back at uh san diego comic-con i got to go to the, the they had a life is strange before the storm panel and they were talking about this functionality and how it was kind of not meant to you know not meant to be the the time the the time uh control that max had but just like a mechanic a new mechanic that fits chloe a little bit better and i and i feel like the idea of it was great but execution wise it just like i would have rather just been able to you know choose different responses and and see how that went rather than have to play this weird little mini game i don't know how did you feel about it i felt that and i didn't even think about this until you mentioned it at the beginning of the show but how you mentioned that uh, the first game stood out from the Telltale games because you were able to kind of go back and see different options and you weren't restrained to just the one choice. This mechanic, while I didn't exactly dislike it, it did exactly what you were saying the other one didn't do. It restricted you in terms of locking you down to your choices. And not just that, but the backtalk segments also gave you like a strict time limit. Like you only had like five seconds or so to pick your yeah, choice. Yeah. So I I often felt like by the time I looked at each option, I didn't really have that much time to think about them because I had to, the timer was going to run out and I had to just kind of pick something. Now, luckily, I didn't fail any of them. Like all of them that I did, I ended up passing. Yeah. But, yeah. Like it didn't feel like at the same time, it just didn't feel like it was it had any challenge to it. Like it felt like it was just kind of tacked on. But it but the result was the same almost. Yeah, like the only time that I thought it was really, like, really, really entertaining was when Rachel was faking passing out and you're trying to steal the wine from that couple Mm. at the park. Yeah, that's true. Where it wasn't so much of a backtalk as much as it was you were trying to find a way to say the right things to keep them distracted. Yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it in that moment. And and yeah, you're right. That was the moment where she wasn't backtalking. It was just it was just part of part of the incident that she's going through. Right. And then outside of the backtalk, I think the other thing that I would knock the game for a little bit and it's not the game's fault and it's nothing that the developers could have done to change it. But I also feel a little bit handcuffed when I'm making my choices as an established character. Cause with Max, you didn't know Max when you played the first game. So she was kind of a blank slate with Chloe. I constantly found myself 
wanting to choose one thing, but then I would think, well, I, that's not how I would think Chloe uh, would react. Yeah, I didn't really because I, I hadn't thought of that. She has an established personality that you kind of got to know already. So there was a lot of times, like for example, when you're talking to her mom about David, and me, I'm more, I'm in real life, I'm a more agreeable person. So when she said, "Oh, give David a chance," I wanted to say yes. But then I quickly thought about it and I was like, well, Chloe obviously doesn't like him. There's no reason, there's no way she would say yes. So then I ended up picking what I thought she would pick as opposed to what my personal choice would have been. And in that sense, I feel like in my playthrough, at least, that I oftentimes find myself trying to play a character instead of becoming the character. Right. Did you happen to feel that way at all? I actually hadn't, I hadn't thought of that actually until you mentioned it. But yeah, there was definitely like... Like looking back, there were definitely moments where it was like, uh, like I think Chloe would choose this just based on what I know, you know, what I experienced in the first game. But you know, I'm gonna choose this because, like, like especially almost in those moments with David, where like I think in my playthrough, you know, there's that moment where like the mom, your mom asks you to to try to get along or something like that. So there was moments where I didn't say, you know, the the choice that sounded like something Chloe would say. Just to try to, and then of course he comes right back with something and it pisses, excuse me, and it pisses her off. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. You're coming in from, you're, you're coming in from experiencing this character, but not in a playable form. So you've, you've watched this character essentially. And so having to choose choices that don't necessarily always feel like choices the character would make is pretty interesting. But yeah, what I don't like it's, that's tough too, because they need to, the choices have to be different enough that you like that you feel like you're making an impact. And if they all fit exactly what that character was, then they wouldn't be all that different. So that's an interesting, it's an interesting piece as well. I think. Yeah, for sure. That was like my weird, that was like my main thing going into it that I constantly felt like I needed to be Chloe instead of being myself as Chloe, which is kind of the opposite of what a lot of these like choose your own adventure games essentially are going for. But I'm excited to see how they're going to move forward with it. Um, we are getting close to the 30 minute point. So I did want to kind of touch on a few things before we wrap up. Um, first of all, there's a point in the game when, and then just to get everyone caught up to speed, you go with Rachel to like spy on people in the park. It turns out she dragged you there to kind of be her support system because she was trying to find out if her father was having an affair. She ends up seeing her father with another woman in the park, which leads to her, kind of lashing out at Chloe eventually. And then at that point, you get the option to tell Rachel that either you're my, like, don't push me away because I'm your friend or don't push Mm. me away because we're something more. And Mm. with that, at that point in the game, I know there's a lot of options throughout as soon as you meet Rachel that kind of lets you be flirty towards her. But did you think that that was a bit too soon to be confessing your love for someone when you only met them like... Like See, formally so, met them like two hours that's, prior. That, <laughs> that's a good question. Like on my first, and there were definitely flir- flirty moments beforehand. But on like my first reading of that, I thought it was like I almost felt like it, like she was talking not about like love in like a romantic sense. Like I thought she was talking about like like it felt deeper than just a friendship. Like they had some bond. Like they, you know, they were both clearly going through a very very hard portions of their life um both in very very similar time frames both both almost in regards to you know in, in some ways losing a father essentially like this person that you know f- chloe physically lost her father and rachel 
losing this figure that she probably, you know, looked up to and respected and, and seeing him be this person that she didn't know in, in the fact that she was, he was having an affair was losing him in another way. And so I almost, I didn't take it as romantic at that point. I thought they, that she was talking about, like she felt a deeper bond with Rachel than just regular friends type thing. Oh, for sure. I don't know if this is true, but I remember reading on the subreddit that if you like pick a certain sequence of options that Rachel will respond, implying that she has like uh, romantic feelings for you in return. I'm not 100% sure if that's true, but I heard a few people say that, like, if you pick all the flirty options up to that point, essentially. Okay. I'm, But again, I'm not completely mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that it could be interpreted. Um, but even then, I felt like, oh, they kind of just met. So I felt like it was a little bit rushed. Like, maybe if there was a bit of a time skip where they had been spending a little bit more time together. Even, even when you find out Rachel's motive for bringing Chloe with her, like she was literally someone that she had just met and then she was bringing her, even though Chloe didn't know it at the time, she brought her essentially as a moral support and emotional right. support right. in case she saw something that she didn't want to see. I mean, she does kind of explain it at the end where she says like essentially that Chloe is the most like real person that she's seen at the school. So I felt like that was a l- at least a little bit explained where she was like, explaining that she was the only one that she trusted even though they had just met because she's the only one who doesn't really care what people think about her and all that stuff but um moving uh, like speaking of that like as soon as rachel kind of leaves chloe in the junkyard and she has that big freak out that was probably one of the best scenes in either game i thought yeah it was i like i loved well and i i tried to my like in my playthrough i tried to hand rachel the bat as well and she like tossed it aside and then leaves and like yeah, and then it's just like such an emotional moment because you know, I really like that it wasn't just that like the like one of the options was to smash things or whatever. Like it was like every item, all four buttons. Like like she was, you know, having like shutting down essentially. Like she could not think of anything else. Like she had to smash all this stuff. Did you um, see the memes that popped out of that though? I didn't know actually. It's it fucking terrible. It was just people like putting the graphic of like Chloe. And just saying smash all over the place, oh, like God. on every button. <laughs> oh. um, but, yeah. yeah, and then, well, and then that, like, that moment, like, the kind of rising action of that moment leading to her discovering the, fa- the, the car that her father died in, like, that fucking wrecked me. I was so, like, oh, I'm getting, like, chills just thinking about it again. Yeah, wasn't there blood in the seat still? I don't know. It looked like, it definitely, like, it kind of, I, I don't know that they would show that. Like, it kind of looked like something, but it could have also just been, like, the padding or something. Like, it didn't look directly enough like blood to me, I don't think. But, like, just just the moment where she realizes it, like, realizes that it's his car, like, ugh, just awful. Why would they do that? Yeah, and then that, of course, <laughs> leads to that scene where you're in the car and she's having a vision where she's, like, talking to her dad again. And everything's just kind of messed up and trippy. Did you happen to check the journal when that happened? I don't remember. Did it say something Yeah, weird? Her, her entire journal is just replaced by a drawing of her hanging herself. And oh, then shit. No, I if didn't. If you check the text messages, like her mom's texts essentially say she's a disappointment. And then if you read Max's text, it says, oh, I'll, see, I'll talk to you again when you're dead and all this shit. Oh wow! Like I think I saw. I think I may have seen the text messages, and I was like, "Max, you're 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 really not selling yourself very well here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was just completely out of control. But of course, at the end of that, like her dad is still essentially like her mentor figure, even in death, because twice in the game she speaks to him through like dream sequences. But in the last one, of course, 
he has that line where he says something like, oh, sometimes people, I don't remember exactly what it is, but just paraphrasing, it's like sometimes people need you even when they won't say so. And then she sees right. Rachel. Yeah. And that kind yeah, of, that just, was really, that was really effective. Yeah. And then it just really is like solidifies that relationship between them that these, the rest of these episodes are really going to be centered on. Now, talking quickly about the very end when you find out why Rachel took her to the park. And then she, of course, sets the picture of her father on fire and kicks a trash can. And then the trash can sets the forest on fire. I was like, I like let out an audible gasp because I wasn't expecting that to happen. Oh, so like it was within like a few seconds, wasn't it? Like all of a sudden this tree bursts into flames. And then it was like, like the when she screams and you see like those wind effects, like was that insinuating that there was some sort of like power involved or was that just like misplaced wind effects like that was a tough moment to like i was like what the fuck is happening here like does yeah. she have powers too and that's, and, I, and maybe it's meant to mislead us but it's it's uh i was like then i was very upset because i was like fuck these guys like why couldn't they finish the whole game right and especially because you know they kind of alluded a little bit in the first game that the storm might have been like rachel mm-hmm so the fact that she was like implied to be controlling wind in that moment and the tornado from the first game had referenced Rachel a few times. So it was a wild scene. But I mean, coming out of that, do you think Rachel's a banshee? A banshee? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, probably not. <laughs> like there, people were just saying that they were playing with their headphones. And when she screams that it was so loud that it like blew out their ears. Yeah, I was playing with a headset <laughs> too. And it was like, I, I legitimately jumped because it was so unexpected. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, that eventually pans out, much like the first game where it was kind of getting reactions of all the side characters when it yeah, started that snowing. Yeah, that was a great, like, that was a great, like, fade out, basically. Yeah. And, and a great, but, like, homage to to the end of the first episode in the first game, too. Right. But then, of course, this one kind of also focused on the mistress who was mysteriously just kind of, like, smoking a cigarette and watching everything burn. Like, what do you think that means? Oh, that was, yeah, that's a good point. I have no idea. That was like, well, and did they, is it, because conf- did, did did she look the same or did she look, because I, I feel like I didn't think that that was her until I like saw people talking about that online. I remember and she I had the same outfit, but you don't really she, okay. ever get a good look at her face. So it probably is then. I don't know. That's that, because why would she, because this is like hours later, isn't it? Like, why would she still be at the park at that point? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean. In a way, I hope they don't go too far into the supernatural, but at the same time, if it's implied that Rachel has powers and then this chick is just kind of sitting there, not even batting an eye at the forest fire right in front of her, yeah, it's yeah, like, what other connection does she have aside from just being <laughs> like Rachel, uh, Rachel's dad's side chick or whatever? Right. Like, who knows what direction it's going to go? But then lastly, before we wrap up, last time on our first Life is Strange podcast, we had a point of contention about Victoria. What did you do to Victoria in this game? I think I was nice to her again. I think I was nice to her in the last game too. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I can't remember what the choice was in this game, but I, I, I was nice to her in any case. I also defended that who, what, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Nathan. Yeah. I defended him too. Cause I, and I think it's cause I didn't really realize at first that it was Nathan. And then in like afterwards, someone was like, oh, blah, blah, Nathan. And I'm like, fuck that guy. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, with it being a prequel and knowing about these characters' futures. It's like, at this point, you just know Nathan as this kid who was being bullied. Yeah. And so you yeah. stand up for him. Yeah. But then knowing what happens in like two years where he's essentially 
like the sidekick of the person who's responsible for all the terrible things that happened in the first game. It's like you part of you doesn't want to help him because you know what's going to happen. But at the same time, looking at it without just at face value, you kind of wonder, you know, you learned in the first game that his parents treated him like shit and, and he already had like mental problems to begin with. And then he's totally. been bullied at school in the past. It's like kind of makes you not necessarily sympathize with him because there's no way to sympathize with Nathan. But yeah. it's like you kind of see the seeds being planted that he's been treated like shit despite having the prev- the privilege of being a Prescott. He's yeah. been treated like shit left and right by his parents at school. And it's not hard to see how he would go over the edge. But um, yeah, and I thought that was interesting too, how the game kind of has like a new bully. It kind of takes advantage of the fact that you're younger in the school this time because there's all these other students that are older than you totally that yeah. you never met in the first game. And that's kind of the way they're introducing a lot of the new <laughs> characters. But, um, but yeah, back to Victoria, I did the same thing I did last time. I was rude to her because I don't know. She's just a monster. And, um, I think the choice was to legitimately help her with her homework or give her a fake answer. Right. And the dialogue you get is actually really funny because <clears throat> At that point, she doesn't remember Chloe's real name and she keeps calling her like different names. Yeah. And then so when you give her the fake answer, she texts you later and is like, and why she has your phone number when she doesn't know your name, I have no idea. <laughs> but um, she texts you later and she was like, I wrote down what you said and I got in trouble because the like the periodic, like the chemical formula for it spelled out like, fuck you or something like that. <laughs> and then and then she was like, oh, you're a, and then she tries to spell out cunt. But with like with the um, chemicals and then Chloe just says, like, what's a I don't remember. I wish I had it in front of me. But she says essentially like what's a something else because she was using the like acronym C-U-N-T. But one of the elements she used wasn't like wasn't supposed to be N. It was something Uh. else. And then she just gets mad and she's like, oh, I'll never forget this Chloe. And then that's how she like learned her name for real. But That's yeah, awesome. and I remember like going back to the first game, I guilt tripped the shit out of Megan because Megan was also nice to Victoria. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling you guys, oh, you guys are you guys are being fake. Like she was like you, like she was a bitch and you did these <laughs> you like you played that practical joke on her, but then you pretended to be your friend. That's not cool. And then I told Megan, see, if you're mean, if you're nice to her in the first game, she dies. And if you're mean to her, she escapes. So I saved her life because <laughs> I was because I was honest and I was genuine. Uh, but, that's true. <laughs> But yeah, um, but yeah, I felt like this game touched down, touched on a lot of bases that did a good job of reestablishing everything while at the same time feeling familiar to people mm-hmm. who played it. I feel like I, so far from the little bit that we've seen of Rachel that she's well on her way to completely living up to the hype of yeah. the relationship that they established in the or implied at least in the first game. And at this rate, I feel like she has a pretty good shot of making it pretty high on the waifu of 2017 list. Oh, Man, I can't wait. Now I can't wait for just de- fuck this game. I can't wait for December now when that list comes out. I know. And the, the, comes the out. last episode's supposed to be in December, right? Or they said every two months or so for Yeah, they said every they said approximately every six to eight weeks. So it could be less than that. I, well and I mean and, and of course the prequel itself is only three episodes and then there'll be a farewell episode where you'll play as Max um, as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure that it'll have much effect on the story because they said it is just a bonus episode. It has nothing to do with like the before the storm. It's set even before that, um, but maybe you'll get some more insight into the process of her leaving or something like that. Like I don't know what else they would, what else they would touch on, but I'm definitely interested to see that happen. Yeah, and she has a lot to live up to after the emotional trauma she put Chloe through in this game. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
But yeah, do you have any concluding thoughts? Not really. Like, I just can't wait for the next episode. Like, I was, I, I, so I feel like when this game was announced, I was excited, but, but apprehensive because, you know, this was not the, this is not the people that made the first game. And the first game meant so much to me. And, I wanted to get back in that world, but not if it was going to be sacrificing like the quality of the, of the experience or anything like that. And then getting an opportunity to like, for, for instance, be at that panel at Comic-Con and hear the developers talking about it and hearing their passion for the project. And, you know, talking about things like that, really interesting things like, Oh, you know, mute the music of the game is something that was really important to a lot of people. And it, talking about how tough, but how, how good of a challenge it was to, to make, the music stand out as much, which I think it does. The music in this game is fantastic, um, but in a totally different style because, again, you're not playing as Max. You're not playing as this one person. You're playing as somebody else who has completely different tastes. And uh, just hearing their passion in that made me kind of got rid of that worry, and I, I kind of just became excited. And I, I, I'm so happy that it's here because it's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of feel like we've come full circle because I'm pretty sure that the first Life is Strange is our very first bonus episode. And then here we are a year and a half later doing another one on Life is Strange. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. I think we should do we one thing I wanted to do last time that we didn't get to was do a wrap up episode when the series is finished. I think we should should try to get that make that happen this time. Oh, definitely. I'm down if you are. All right. Um, right. Sounds good. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Where can everyone find you on the Internet? I'm at Inu Joshua on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Make sure to check that out. And as always, you can find me on geekscape.net. And I'm at D Cranavelt on Twitter and uh, Captain K17 uh, on gaming platforms. Uh, I've already put my four hours into Destiny 2, so don't look for me on that in any case. <laughs> that's all you get. That's all I get. That's, I looked up like my stats because I was like, I, I played through like... This is a conversation for another podcast. But yeah. <laughs> I played Destiny 1 for 13 hours before never playing it again. All right. Sounds good. And you're well on your way. <laughs> right. All right. Awesome. Then. Bye. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And Thank we'll talk you. to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.